Welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name is Tom. My name is Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Home Alone. <laughs> My name is Justin. I am the quarantine dream right now. <laughs> What's going and on, guys? And our special guest with us on the uh, four-way chat here is none other than Paulo Paguntalan. Uh, and he's not back for Ping 3. He's back for In the Hole with Paulo 1. So we're going to get to the man behind the ping. What's up, Paulo? Hi, how are you guys uh, feeling with this quarantine shit going on? Alone. Alone and cold. Same, dude. Yeah. This is this is weird, uh, man. It is very uh, weird. I'm feeling oddly warmed by this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm running out of puzzles to do, and it's that's really weighing on me. Oh, I, I just finished a puzzle, so you, you know what? I'll Windex it down and send it to you. Oh, I would, <laughs> I would greatly appreciate it. Yeah, we should definitely get some sort of sterile uh, activity swap going on. Sterile activity swap. How metal. <laughs> <laughs> I've been making furniture for my cat. Nice. Yeah, nice. I have a, a, a feral cat that was badly wounded. It, 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 uh, we usually feed it at the house here, and it came up kind of like wounded, like it had been in a, a bad scrap with maybe a raccoon or a dog. So it's, it's been resting under my dresser now. That's its new real estate. So I made it a little cat tower. That's, that's how my life's going right now. I think Willis won't approve that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Well, it's not as big as one of Wilson's huge cats, man. And we're, we're going to talk about Wilson. We're going to talk about cats. We're going to talk about death metal and all that. But let's slow down, um, and I'm going to ask this, acknowledging that obviously everyone's weekend was crazy. Justin, how was your weekend over there, man? Yeah, crazy. Yeah, you're totally right. Uneventful and, and insane at the same time. Uh, pretty, you know, can't, what are you going to do? Just uh, staying positive, staying busy, and, uh, you know, checking in on the friends, making sure everybody's doing all right. Trying to help out the local businesses as much as possible over here in Huntington, and uh, staying healthy. About it. Yeah, that's right. We um, uh, if if people want to check out our um, bonus episodes that we put out talking to local business owners, um, Dan Valentino uh, brought you up, man. So shout out to you, Justin, for uh, for helping out. Shout out to him, man. Be- best wishes to everybody, man. Uh, it's kind of kind of crazy out there. Tom, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing Mario Odyssey. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> yes. I'm, that, I, I got a uh, Nintendo Switch that is. Saving my life. Um, I'm sure everyone's finding ways. It's it, you know, it's practicing riffs. That's all I'm doing, and playing Mario Odyssey. That's it. I, I've been listening to so much music. I actually put, I'm, put, I'm putting out a couple of bonus episodes coming up, and they would be out sooner um, about all this music I've been listening to. But uh, apparently, with this pandemic going on, the guy who owns the property behind my house decided it was the perfect time to knock down like an entire like wooded area. Of, of uh, trees and rip up a bunch of blacktop. It, yeah, it was it was a great weekend over here. It felt like we were in the middle of a construction site uh, in, in New York City or something like that. But um, uh, so I got some bonus episodes coming. You know what I'm saying? But uh, you know enough about me, Paulo. Um, you know we want to talk about uh, your label, your bands, and all that other stuff, man. But how are you doing, man? How, how's it going over there right now? Uh, it's been fucking weird, man. Like I've been working from home. And um, it's just like, I'm just, you know, usually anxious. I'm already anxious, like, normally. So this is not helping. But, like, I'm just staying, watching podcasts. Like, basically, like, you know, Tom Segura, 
Bobby Lee, all those guys who are like keeping my mind away from like all the the craziness. Just like you know, funny shit, just to keep my mind off this fucking pandemic shit. That's all. Gotta laugh, man. Yeah. Reflecting upon life again, and it's it's kind of cool because like. For some reason, like uh, my anxiety and, and, and weird emotional state, kind of like got my juices to to play music again. Cause like I've been creatively bankrupt for a while now, so I picked up my guitar again. I was like, I try. I was playing some riffs here and there. It's like, all right, cool, man. So we'll see. We'll see if uh, I survive or you know. <laughs> well, I know that you tend to be very like kind of selective and specific with when you choose to write and put out music and and how uh you know how it's released and all that sort of thing man so uh, you know well i guess you like you said we'll have to wait and see how this um uh takes place but before we get too much into your music poll can we go back to like the like i said the man behind the ping and go into your history a little bit uh yeah sure man what do you want (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, well, I mean, if we take it all the way back, man, uh, you're originally from the Philippines, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yep. Born and raised. So, would you tell us just as much as you'd like to share about, um, I don't know, maybe like the, the the area of the Philippines you were born in and how long you spent growing up there before you moved to the United States? I didn't really grow up with any like a uh, musical... Um, background anything like that, or anybody in my family, or there was nobody that really had like a big musical thing, except like I remember my dad um, playing me um, some music. He he loved what's called like you know he loved rock music. He was the he was the the, the black the black sheep of the family, and but the thing is like after he passed away and was four years old, my grandparents took away his music and hit it away. So sometimes like, the only music that I would hear when I was growing up was like Pilita Corrales, uh, Freddie Aguilar, who are folk musicians. But um, I just remember uh, my dad had his tape and he was a guy screaming and he has like his eyes blacked out. And I, I look back, it's like, I just remember that feeling of putting that tape, I found the tape uh, when I was young, after he passed away, I put it on, I was like, what is this sound? This is so crazy. And it's basically Scorpion's Blackout. And after I came here, I listened to it. It's like, oh, it's not that crazy after I learned what heavy metal was. And, and you know, but like back when you're a little kid and you knew have you don't have any reference to anything like that, something like this is pretty extreme. And it's like, it's like, you know, like you're, I've been always trying to catch the, or catch a dragon, as, you, as they would say. But my musical, whatever, uh, my musical taste was developed because uh, Michael Jackson, you know, Thriller, um, that was the popular music uh, in the 80s. And even in the Philippines, his, you know, like, and but like, especially the, the music video really did something to me, which is like, this is su- super creepy, like something esoteric about it. You know, he even says the disclaimer that this has no part of the occult. But it was still like, you know, being in the Philippines, you have all these like weird, like, you know, uh, uh, um, what is that thing? Like uh, you say, uh, you have like uh, superstitions. And especially yeah, where my yeah, island is. Yeah. My island is, is like, you know, where it's just very heavy Catholic, but it's also like where my mom is. Like 
um, she's from this place called Capis. Capis. It's just like a, uh, um, it's famous for like all these monsters, this these creatures who are like basically they devour you like in, in certain ways. And there's this there's this one lady called Mananangal. Uh, she basically like splits in half, and so it's embedded in my culture. So death metal and metal is is like embedded. It's like it's so close. It makes sense, perfectly sense that why death metal and black metal is is like a natural thing for me because it's already in my culture, my DNA. And plus, like growing up Catholic, you know, you see uh, uh, images of Christ being hung, and it's like you. I remember to this day, like dude, I. This is why to this day I'm still scared of uh, uh, thunder and uh, lightning and thunder because there was a brownout when I was a kid and there was a blackout and I really wanted to piss but my dad said just go to the bathroom yeah, don't worry about it like Jesus is over there like so I I went to the bathroom and my, when I envisioned Jesus it's like you know like not like a happy Jesus you know I, I envisioned Jesus like who's all bloodied up in the cross and just looking down at me pissing on the toilet and I was like <laughs> so like when I hear that lightning it triggers that this vision of Christ looking down and like good job Paolo you're pissing so well you know I was like yeah <laughs> so I so guess like the first time you saw a vital remains cover you were like oh yeah that makes sense yeah totally totally yeah. <laughs> I've seen this before <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's deep in my fucking psyche of, of of this, and I think, you know, like, like I've been to a couple of funerals growing up, and it's a big deal. So it's always a ritual. It's a big, uh, uh, a lot of, a lot of it comes from my from a background as like a Filipino. Then music came in, and like it basically the music gave the language of what I'm feeling inside. Yeah, I guess. Oh, that's really long-winded. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that is what we're looking for. Cool. That's awesome. Now, I don't want to jump ahead too far. You you, you did mention your father passed away um, when you were at a very young age. And he, you know, you talked about the significance of rock and roll and finding, you know, his music and stuff. How old are you when you move to the United States? And is it New York City at first? Oh yeah, um, so I'm gonna go back a little bit uh, uh, yeah, uh, while I was yeah. still living in the Philippines. Um, there was this. I was in the third grade. I was still in the Philippines, and I think I was like eight or nine. And I, there was these kids, like a grade, two grades above me, and they were the bad kids. I used to go to St. Joseph, which is like a very Catholic school, and they they, they have like yeah, they, they were like smack your fucking hands and make you like do squats if you do like something wrong but like these two kids one of them had an armband and they were listening to um, this, this cassette tape and this cassette tape had crosses in them and it was uh, the teacher found out like the uh, that they were listening to this music so, like so she, it was confiscated toys comic books and and, and cassettes music are, are not for uh, you are usually get, get confiscated. So when it was confiscated, remember that the, the uh, you guys even had this this uh, the episode about the um, Hispan uh, not oh sorry the Satanic Panic recently you guys did. Oh yeah, with uh, Jesse Pollock and Dan Jones. Yeah, we also had a, a Satanic Panic back home, and I remember seeing this cassette tape 
uh, it had all these rows of crosses and this ominous hand and it was as soon we a bunch of us a bunch of my classmates saw that tape it's like ooh that like those kids got in trouble and like our teacher came in and saw it, like what are you guys doing leave so she flipped the tape over and i just remember I, I took a sneak and i saw like welcome home satanism but i didn't read it as sanitarium so i was like it was embedded in my mind that like whatever this is this has to be really like no a big no-no and i found out late uh, later on like, oh yeah 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 that was metallica like you gotta get like yeah that's metallica master of puppets so it's like it's been stuck on my head but like I still ha I held on to this like like rock music, punk, uh, rock and roll, heavy metal. They're all the same. They're all part of the the evil uh, satanic thing. And the only good music you have is uh, is uh, fuck um, Michael Jackson and, and Vanilla Ice, uh, uh, ha MC Hammer, and all that like really like you know safe vanilla shit. So when I came here, I when I was 1992. And I was trying to get into music. I was like, it was still in the back of my mind. So it was New York. And one of the things that caught my eye right away was like, I think you guys ever heard The Box? And The Box was like this, the, the first one that you guys basically, it's, it's, a t, it's a channel in cable in New York where you get wasn't to it, pay. Wasn't it Ralph McDaniels? Oh, I I don't know about that, but it's like it's it's a channel that just revolt like like you could call in and pay to to have a music video play, but the thing is, is like all um, so many people would call in and pay that like you're basically your music video. Let's say if you put your order in like at four o'clock in the afternoon, it would probably play at like five o'clock in the in the morning. But like I saw for 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 some weird reason, I saw this like I would do anything for love, but I just want to do that. And this guy had this like really boisterous song, uh, voice, and he's fat like me, and he's and I love Beauty and the Beast, and it's like holy shit, he's riding a, 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 a motorcycle, and I'm like, dude, this guy rules. And I found out his name is Meatloaf, and I'm like, what is going on? You know, and like he's he's he's. He's with this really hot, beautiful woman, and she's serenading him. I don't know what like he can't do. Like he's doing it. He's <laughs> levitating her, and like there's a lot of wind in this like in this castle. You know, it's like, but he won't do that. I don't care. It's like a ten-minute song. It's an epic. You know, it's a, a beautiful, beautiful epic. And from there, like it was <laughs> meatloaf was my first love. Actually, my first, my, the first thing that I owned here was a. Uh, Eric Clapton's uh, um, Unplugged CD, and that was the first oh, yeah, music yeah. I owned. Yeah, you're taking me back. Yeah, dude, Tears in Heaven. Oh my God, dude. Yeah, that's that's a, a beautiful CD, and I still have it. You know, like I still listen to it um, for nostalgia's sake. Uh, but Meatloaf. I still remember. I, well, I mean, I remember that Meatloaf song and that Eric Clapton acoustic Layla dominating yes. the charts in that that time period. Dude. Exactly, and it, isn't it crazy? Because like that time it was a grunge was the thing, but like you mm -hmm. have like like this dude wearing fluffy shirt and this heavy <laughs> piano <laughs> bass music is like it's dude the songs are in average like 
10 minutes. That's not really radio friendly, you know? And yeah. Beatloaf was the one that like that really got me hooked to, to music and to the, this, this kind of like point of view, I guess. And I was a, the kid that like was wearing a Meatloaf shirt and I was a fat ki Asian kid. And I kind of like, yeah, dude, I, it was like, I was in school, uh, <laughs> dude, he, he was my first concert. I, I, it was a big surprise. It was a, the, the snowstorm of 93. And I was sweating a sweater. I didn't know what's going on. It was MSG. And my mom took me there and I remember him say fuck or shit and I covered my ears. Cause I was like, oh, I don't want my mom to think that I know these words or like, oh, these are bad words. So like, I was still naive. But yeah, man, like Meatloaf was, was the, uh, a big inspiration. And I think subconsciously, like I kind of like, I think I still kind of aspire to be him because like, he's not your usual like frontman who who is like you know, the handsome you know beautiful david lee roth guy but like he's this fat dude who just like he he sounds so desperate it, like and he's giving it all to the audience and i and i think that kind of imprinted something in me that like when i perform i just have, i just have to give it my all you know and i see this other dudes like antimo you know, it's like, fuck, that guy is like, he's death metal, you know? And I, no disrespect, when I saw you, that's my brother. He's a front man, and he's, and, and oh, you will, <laughs> sorry. And it's like, he's just, he's a huge dude, and I'm a big guy too. So I was like, yes, it's like, it's okay, you know? And I'm like, and, and there's Crowbar, and I was like, yeah, dude, like, existence is punishment when he's like, looking at there like he he's like squatting down taking a big dump in bees on butthead oh yeah bees on butthead is a it's a big thing too part of my like you know musical education i found out like you know a lot of death metal bands and awesome bands from there you know yeah yeah we've talked about that actually we talked about i think that um with our our episode with hank steamer um we talked about morbid angel and all that stuff uh uh, and, and all those bands be and we also talked about winger let's not go down the winger wormhole yet guys, okay? <laughs> so Paulo um, tell me first uh, young Paulo from from the Philippines touches down in Queens New York no Manhattan are there oh I'm so, I'm sorry you touched down in Manhattan New York first that's right you touched down in Manhattan New York what what are there are there misconceptions that you had about New York City and the United States? Once you get here, yeah, dead ass, man. I really thought like New York was like Beverly Hills, and like I, I thought I was. We were gonna, my mom and I, were gonna live in like a, in a cabin. <laughs> <laughs> and I had no like concept of snow. And I remember my first winter, I came out. I, I remember it was cold, but I didn't realize that snow was ice. So I, like, my mom was excited for me to, to for me to experience this. So I ran the fuck out of the building in my fucking PJs and I was like, look, it's fucking snow, snow, snow. I didn't say fuck, but like, and I was like, oh my God. And it's like, holy shit, so cold. I'm freezing my ass up and I went back in. So it, it was, you know, to this day, I, I don't take it for granted. I love snow because, you know, I'm a husky kid and I'd rather be, you know, not sweaty yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I hear you on that. <laughs> As a skinny kid, I'd rather not be sweaty either. I, I 
<laughs> wow, I gotta go back and revisit Meatloaf's discography now. Oh, after dude, yeah. all that. Well, he was on totally. Roadrunner Records for a while. Paula, you just verbalized He's... like all of my internal feelings of Meatloaf without having me really having like, <laughs> like realized it, you know. And then just hearing you say it is just hitting all these buttons for you. Man. Oh, That's awesome, dude. That was, be- that was beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Kind of like the King Diamond of the Boomer generation. Oh, dude, totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah. He's very dramatic, theatrical, you know. Yeah. He has this, like, the persona, and, like, you know, there's a, a woman, you know. Fuck yeah, dude. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, Meatloaf and King Diamond, basically the same guy. Might be the same guy. You never know. <laughs> dude, what a tour that would be. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I would go to that concert. I, that would be great. Dude. They don't oh, make stadiums God. big enough. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paulo, um, at what age do you pick up a guitar? Uh, by the time I think I was really into like metal, um, I, I got into like you know Slayer, uh, Metallica, but at this point I was more. I didn't even want to play guitar. I actually wanted to play bass because of Cliff Burton. I saw this dude, he was like just killing on his bass, and it's like, alright, like, there's four strings, he makes it look so easy, so like, and it's probably cheaper, right? So like, you know, like, I want to get a bass, then my, my the guitar t-shirt that was like, uh, uh, my mom hired for me, um, she said, he said that like, just try guitar first, you know, and it's like, alright, fine, so I did, from there I just, you know, picked up, um, I I learned this one scale and from then on like my guitar teacher left for after one month and I bought a tab book of um, Ride the Lightning and and Master of Puppets and I just kept trying to play uh, Fade to Black or Welcome Home because you know those are easy you know easy uh, uh, um, things for me to check out you know yeah, it's definitely a good place for like a beginner who's into heavy music to start Oh, definitely. So, uh, you know, Metallica, Slayer, when do your metal interests take a turn for the more, uh, like, underground or death metal, so to speak? Dude, oh yeah, Headbangers Ball, dude. Definitely head, uh, Headbangers Ball. Um, okay. you know... Who was, hosting, who was hosting it in the area you're talking about? Uh, Ricky Rockman, I think? Yeah, that, that's what I figured, yeah. Like, this is the point, that and Beavis and Butthead, because, like... Those are the only times you get to see them in like this really, really late night. And it's like, um, you would only see like like Cannibal Corpse, Death, uh, Carcass. Cannibal Corpse, True Eyes to the, um, True the Eyes to the Dead. I love that and, video. Uh, scared the shit out of me. Same. Yeah. Because of that shadow, it says Morgue. And the way it lights up, the, the, the oh, the, the lighting on that. Was is, is beautiful, and you can't even see Chris's Chris Barnes' face. You just see a shadow of this in his hair. So, like, what is going on? You know, it's like very ominous. But Slayer's um, Season of the Abyss also had this like really dark feeling. And Metallica's one from th- those those two videos, and then like it just led me up to like, oh, dude, I gotta peep what's called. I gotta peep this band's. Uh, uh, Cannibal Corpse and and and, and Morbid Angel on Carcass, but like 
it was Mortal Kombat that kind of changed my life because they had um, the Napalm song. Yes, the Napalm. Twist the, the knife. Napalm death song. Tw- yeah, twist the knife. And I was like, dun, 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 dun. and it was during the Goro <laughs> stage. And it was like, and, and you're you're in a movie theater, and it's like, holy shit, this is amazing. And also Jim Carrey. I yeah, forgot. I took it, my mom and I went to see uh, Jim. Um, sorry, not Jim Carrey. Ace Ventura. Yeah, of course, of course, the classic. Yeah, yeah Cannibal, Cannibal Corpse, man. Yeah. And that Through the Eyes of the Dead video, man, there's probably a few hundred bands worldwide that started, you know, basically just because of that video. Dude, you know, totally. Back in the day, see, seeing that video on TV late night, like you said, man, there was, wasn't really much exposure to anything like that. Yeah, dude. And these are the days that were like, you don't... Like, the only other friend that I had was like into like metal was Alex. And... He was the only one that was wearing a sand garden shirt, so we could only like talk about this stuff because back in the day, like everybody was like you know into popular music, except like this this kind of shit. So it also helped that like one of my friends' um, dad used to work in Metal Maniacs and Yusukifli. So whenever like he he knew that I liked metal, so I would go to their office. And he would give us like you know uh, Metal Edge, uh, Metal Maniacs, and other metal sh- uh, uh, magazines. But like everything was crap except Maniacs because uh, Metal Maniacs because that was the true underground shit. And from the back, you, you know, you see the the, the relapse ads, which is like uh, um, the deceased, amorphous, um, benediction, the nuclear blast, America, and relapse. Uh, uh, ads took the whole entire back of uh, back in the day so those were pretty cool uh, for me to just like, even just like look at the the, the the artworks because the artworks were so creepy and just like beautiful like incantations artwork is beautiful I, I've never heard the music I don't even know what like old-school death metal meant because like death metal to me was still new so I couldn't even like, comprehend the meaning of like old school death metal, and that's what like deceased was already saying for uh, the blueprints of madness. So I was like, "Shit, dude!" Yeah, the but, term uh, "old school" is more old school than you would think. Yeah, exactly. They're, like, it's like, like they were playing like Voivod influenced death thrash at that time like, for blueprints for madness. But um, yeah, like from there, like I had the the, the metal maniacs and my friend. Alex, we would basically just switch. Like hey, he would introduce me to the, to some stuff, and I would introduce him to the other things. <clears throat> and you know what? The greatest thing about this too is that like, like Slayers is is, is amazing on it. But like, I kind of like develop my English through their lyrics. Like like Disincarnate's Dream of the Carrying Kind. I, I was learning this the vocabulary through that, and it was because I didn't even realize it was based. The title track was based on Sandman, but it was just really cool to sing along the lyrics and just try to get a, a, on my head. It's like, I don't know what these words meant, but like, I'm gonna look them up and, and see. And from there, it's like, I still don't have a full grasp of what the lyrics are, but it's still like, like I'm in the hinge on it. And I'm, just like, I'm still like curious about like what they're saying. And I, I couldn't have, um, I wanted more. Like Harkus is one of the most brilliant 
uh, uh, Jeff Walker from Carcass as one of the greatest lyricists ever. He's so tongue in cheek with, with with his lyrics, from huh. hard work to yeah. like and, and back and, and uh, Ricky Petrifaction. It's like a, an absolutely brilliant wordsmith. Yeah, man. Um, Paulo, you've been on the show a few times. I feel like you, you went and revved up the, the segue yourself. Um, you brought up Alex, uh, Alex oh. Beck, right? Yes, Alexander Beck. Yeah. Yeah, he um, he's your like you said, a friend of yours from when you guys were younger. And you and him eventually start Cop Premises. Uh, in, in what year? Oh, uh, we tried to start a band when we got our instruments, basically in high school. So that was probably like 96, 97. And Cop Premises didn't happen until uh, basically around like, all right, like we've been, we've been playing with other people before. Like you remember the band uh, Spore? Hmm, but it rings a bell, but I mean, this is going bad. Their drummer used to, uh, uh, has connections with um, Immoral Suffering, uh, Mike. Yeah. Oh, in Rapture. Remember in Rapture? In Rapture, of course I remember. That was a good band. There you go. So, in high school, I was friends with Fabian, their, their, the guitarist, and he was mm-hmm. also in the same band with Mike. And at this point, um, I think like in Rapture was like folding and... I hit up Mike. It's like, hey man, like, I want to play death metal too. Like, uh, would you be down? Like, and he's a big fan of, uh, of death metal. He actually, he's one of those people who like, if he has a drum machine, it's not metal. You know, it's like so he hated Mortician. It's like, all right, whatever, dude. You know, like he's a total like, you know drummer, drummer guy. But uh, from there, like, it, it didn't work out with him. Um, but like, Alex and I like kept looking, and until. I would go around to mag, uh, um, to record stores and, and put what's called flyers, uh, like um, in generations. Uh, uh, what other lethalware, lethal CDs, bleaker bobs, Ever- bleaker bobs everywhere. Kim's videos, everywhere Kim's in the videos. village. Oh man, you're taking me back, dude. Yeah, dude. Anywhere in the in the village, just to like you know put like an ad like looking for 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 these kids and when i found out when i discovered castle heights that was it man castle heights was the shit it's a it's a venue in northern boulevard for for just in case for those people who don't know that was a very pivotal in the 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 90s death metal scene and the early 2000 scene but uh that's where i met daniel we had a common friend also like uh adam his friend at that uh, time adam so I gave him a flyer, and Daniel hit me up. This is around like 1999 or 2000. Oh yeah, it's probably 2000. And Adam had a place in in, um, in the city where he has his you know his drum uh, drum set, his bass. But like at this point, Dan- Daniel was playing drums and Adam was playing uh, bass. So Alex tried him out. You know, Alex and I went over there and. All right, like you know, we 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 played, we showed him a couple of riffs here and there, and we played one open mic show in Castle Heights, and uh, yeah, well, yeah, you know, you're young and it's like it was still embarrassing, but like this this one of the dudes it was not really up to par, so I, I had to like basically like kick him out, but um, it was Adam, sorry Adam. Uh, 
Are <laughs> 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 you going back to when you guys were kids? Yeah. yeah. But, like, Daniel, like, you know, we, we still continue to talk. And at this point, like, I think Wilson, uh, he got a, a flyer for, for, for me, like, you know, uh, and contacted me. And that's when we started talking and we started rehearsing. And Wilson was like one of the most intense dudes. And I think that's how Copremises happened. Like he wasn't Copremises before. I forgot what we were called. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was so cringy. I don't even want to say the say name that we had before. Say it. Oh, say it. <sighs> Despised. Ah, oh, that's not that bad. Oh, come on. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's so <laughs> like, uh, you know. I mean, you're, you're probably a little sensitive to it because that's home base but that's i've heard much worse <laughs> names from people i really like as yeah, well it's so. no it's it's no like shadow of thought you know <laughs> <laughs> um you're talk, talking about uh you brought up wilson um and wilson is obviously the drummer and like kind of death metal mastermind that people might know from animals killing people and andromorphous rexalia uh who we've brought up on the show a few times before um, and I, you know, if there's one thing I've brought up about Wilson, it's that I have a lot of respect for his commitment to death metal as like a lifestyle and um, almost like a like a religion. Uh, so, like, could you just take us into like like the younger Wilson that you met at that point and like like kind of his death metal journey and and um, that and also for the listeners, I believe it was on Ping Two uh, with you that you talked about. Um, Wilson and his brother who passed away and all that. Well, the first time I met Wilson, he was like one of the most mysterious dudes ever because I asked, like, hey, man, like, you know, just, like, trying to talk to him. You know, he had his guard up, but, like, it, it, it was because of, of valid reasons, because of it was, like, you know, um, situation. It was his status here in America, basically. But now, like, you know, he's an American citizen, but... I think that's that's why he kept it up. But like, I think there's other things. But like, talking to him bes- uh, about things besides music was he was he was not interested at all. The only thing that matters to him is brutality. And it's like, all right, cool. Like, I would we we would show up at a, a, a rehearsal and we would have these riffs, and Wilson was like, you need to play that faster. It's like faster, like what you know, like this. At this point, like we're still like I'm probably the worst musician in the in the whole group, and Alex is competent, Dan is competent, of course Wilson's competent, but like I'm still learning. I have no concept of, of music. I you know I have no musical background, and whatever. It's all right. Like it basically like pushed us to play as fast as possible. It made these riffs, who are like kind of like trying to be like you know intricate. We wanted to sound like Gorgasm, but instead we sounded like Devourment. <laughs> you know, like, there was no, like, riffs. It just sounds like... <laughs> and, and it basically, like, it sounded like that with Copremises, like, and after each song, after we finished it, it's like, was that okay? Was it good? Yeah, bro, that's pretty brutal. It's like, I, yeah, okay, sure, if you say so, cool, man. And eventually we went to, uh, going from rehearsal studios, <clears throat> we went to his place, and that's how Copremises basically, like, you know, uh, 
his place had this like this uh, um, back part where it's a small it's a small area in the back of his basement and it was tiny as hell and we we basically put what's called like a, a cardboard um, what's that the egg the thing for a yeah, the egg crate yeah the, yeah exactly we, we quote unquote soundproofed the place but it was still loud as fuck um, in Brooklyn and that's where where we played and and uh, premises uh, happened there and Wilson and and Daniel yeah like I I don't want to like you know forget Daniel but Daniel also had a big part but yeah the, the fact that like all three of us wanted to do vocals like Alex Daniel and I it was basically because of Niall and Gorgasm <coughs> but like we just sounded like shit like 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 blur yeah because we just wanted to like play as fast as possible and like let's start the song together and end the song together if we could yeah. do that we're we're good yeah i love it uh so so you guys put out the cult faces uh rehearsal demo 2002 um demonstrating oh, yeah. the fist 2003 right right um uh, any, anything stick out about those uh, recording experiences and early shows back then? Actually, we had a recording even prior to Cult Feces. It was just for Anita to, to prove to Anita. Uh, Anita was the booker of, of uh, Cas um, Castlevania, I mean, uh, Castle Heights. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, she, she ran Samba Lane Productions and. Yes. Basically, all right. I just want to give props to, to to Anita for a second, and like basically, like without her, like I don't think like she basically ruined my life because I'm in metal. <laughs> but uh, props for ruining your life. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I when there would be shows in Castle Heights. Uh, and this was like I was still underage I would email her like Anita please um, I promise you like we won't drink we won't do anything we won't do drugs just please let <laughs> us in we'll, we'll pay you the full amount and like Alex Daniel and I I don't know what like how old Wilson at this point but Wilson just shows up he's like a mystical dude but he's already there but like we're the kids and, and we're just like we just wanna like you know see the band so we saw like fucking Awesome bands like Vault Remnants, Brodekin, um, Internal Suffering. They didn't play there. I think they, they, they played, but like I wasn't there. But a bunch of other awesome bands on um, Castle Heights. But at this point, like you know, we want Copremises as a band want to play a show. So she asked me like, get a recording of your your band rehearsal. I just want you guys. I just want to hear you guys are real. So we did, and we gave her that. It's like, oh, all right. Um, we gave it to her and we opened up for Antipathy Ceremonium uh, but Ceremonium dropped off because uh, some, some dumb shit spore and I think that was one of the most amazing moments in a lot uh, in my life so far because that was our first show and a bunch of my friends from high school showed up and recording Call of Feces was really fun because it was just like a rehearsal thing and it wasn't really meant to be all over the world or whatever like that it was just given to to people like the, like oh this is our dumb rehearsal 
but demonstrating the fist was a proper rehearsal. I mean, a proper demo, and that one was a little intense because, um, yeah, as you record more and more and more, it gets harder because, like, it's it's like you know you're having new experiences, and at this point, Alex was going to school for to be a recording engineer. I guess it's a good team member to have. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um. And he recorded that on in his computer, and we, you know, we went to to Wilson's uh, friend's rehearsal space, Secrecy. You, you remember the band Secrecy? No, no. Oh, uh, uh, there, like I think there's m- some members of um, of Animals Killing People actually were from, were from that band. But uh, oh, okay. We recorded the, the drums from there, then we recorded the guitars, bass, and vocals at our rehearsal spot. And I remember just the feeling when we finally finished that. Actually, <clears throat> in the middle of, of recording that, that's when Wilson's brother passed away. And it was kind of like, you know, that's why there's that remembrance in the back. Uh, it's a, a tribute to his brother. That's Wilson's uh, um, notes, and it's just a tribute for his brother, David. So it was, and it was, it was one of those big regrets that like Wilson never got to like you know play with. Uh, he never got to hear demonstrating the fist, and cult feces was just a rehearsal. It didn't sound that good, but like demonstrating the fist was more of a better product, and. It just sucked, man. Like it, it, it was like, it was really untimely. It, it was a weird, weird time. Um, but we were proud of it. Uh, it's, it sounds like <laughs> I just remember it's like, oh, this is the the cool the the this is pretty heavy for uh, for what it is. It it it's sounded good, but you put it next to other uh, demos, it sounds like shit. But like. I'm, you know, it's, it's. You're being hypercritical, man. That, yeah, that's true. It's a demo. Yeah, exactly. You know. It's um. Yeah. It's it, you're supposed to feel that way. You were part of the product, and it's like you're develop. You're still in a very like early stage in cop premises. Yeah. So that's I mean, true, yeah. totally fair. Everything you're saying, but I don't think that the viewers and uh, the people who enjoy cop premises feel the same as you. They, yeah. They they like it, you know. I like it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> we, we've we've got a lot to go before you can get self-critical. And Tom, thank God there's no viewers because I haven't shaved in like a week. Um, but Paulo, uh, that takes us to like 2004. Uh, I don't want to breeze. What happens first? Do you guys play MDF 2004 Prefest or the split with Postulated comes out? That was before. Actually, no. That came out. Uh, Wilson knows Andres from Postulated, so he, yes. we, he, you know, like we did that split. Uh, we um, sent them to, together in 2003. Actually, Fecal Festival was not the act- the intended name of the split for, uh, title. Alex went to Japan for a while and we forgot what the title was. So it's like <laughs> we just basically like, like toss, you know, like dude, what are we gonna call it? Like. I don't know. Like we tried calling him, we tried emailing him, he wouldn't respond. 
So I was like, fuck it, let's just call Fecal Festival and send it. And, like, and Dan Olivencia, a biologist at that time, he was doing the layouts. So, uh, there was, a, I remember that this one point, like, he, I, st- Dan stayed up with me. Like, I stayed up with Dan. He was doing the Photoshop to, to do the, put the logo on and, and, and everything. And I was trying to keep him company because I didn't want to, like, you know, like, he's doing us a big uh, favor. So, uh, uh, when the MDF came, the pre-fest, um, that's when Andres uh, gave us the, the the split CDs, and I was like, "Holy shit! This is like, we, we got to do what's called a split with postulated." It's like, yo, that sucks for them, but it was awesome for us. No. <laughs> 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 well, I, and also postulated like really, um, I guess you could say a kind of ahead ahead of the curve at that point on the super guttural, brutal stuff. It, it was around at that point, but. If you look at the climate of the scene, like in 2010 and since, for cop premises and postulated, you guys were a little ahead of the curve. I mean, dude, we just wanted to like play the fastest and most brutal thing ever. It's like, all right, let's just like fuck a metronome. We we don't even know what a metro. I didn't know metronome. Wilson has no concept metronome. Let's just fucking go 10 billion miles per hour. Yeah, Wilson Uh, was the metronome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like that—that that was a, a pivotal. Two thousand four was an amazing, amazing uh, uh, time. It was a very life-changing situation as you were there, well, and you saw a bunch of me in there, and. <laughs> Well, that was going to be my next question, is could you, uh, in your words, take the listeners through uh, what happened at the the MDF pre-show 2004 at the sidebar in Baltimore when Cop Premises played? Hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm going to stretch for a second for this. Oh, boy. (laughs) You knew I had to ask. Yeah, 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 you have to, of course. I knew this was coming. So, uh, 2004... Uh, MDF prefest. The lineup was um, Copremesis, uh, Biolich, Amoebic Dysentery, Brainwash from Italy, then uh, Burnt by the Sun. At this point, we've been talking to the dude Sven from Aborted, and he was uh, playing uh, for Lengshe at uh, this festival, for the rest of the festival. And we wanted to do a Gronibard cover. Uh, that's why I was naked. Unfortunately, nice. Sven. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, you just skipped Sorry. a bunch. Kind of gloss, <laughs> kind of, yeah, you, 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 slow down, Hold Paulo. Slow Hold down. On. Okay, okay, that's okay. What, My bad. He said, "Oh, that's why I was naked." <laughs> Where'd your clothes go? Um, I I found out about this band Gronibar from France, and uh, like we, I was like totally like we were head over heels. And we wanted to do two covers. One, a Prodigy of Solitude with Vaughn Remnants. Uh, we were gonna, cause like Alex was tight with Keske and Taka for the, for the pre-fest. And a Bronenberg cover with, um, with Sven on drums from Aborted. The thing is, at this point, Wilson and us 
split. So, and Daniel, he was still in high school. He had bad grades, and he basically <laughs> was not allowed to go to MDF. He was um, grounded, and it was you know really unfortunate. So, Alex and I basically played the the the, the prefest with uh, the drum tracks that we recorded, and we tried to fill whatever we could. So, we it was such a shit show, but we just had a. Uh, a blast and and Alex his whole entire thing after coming from Japan he was gonna be one of those ganguru girls that's why he had that like super overtly tan face which almost looked like black face but it's not black face it's it's you know the ganguru girls google it for well, just I, in case I didn't even notice because he had a huge frog costume on over that yeah he had the, the frog uh, hat yeah, you know, he was totally like you know Japanophile mode in that point, and for me, I was like, all right, like I want to like do this justice. I want to do Gronibard. So if we're gonna do Gronibard, I have to be fucking naked. So basically, we were setting up. We were the first band. It's like, where's Van? Keske is here, so we're good with the Vaughn Runs cover. So all right, we'll do that. Zven is nowhere to be found. So we, we just fucking went on, played our set, and apparently, um, as the show progressed, I slowly took my clo- uh, a piece of clothing off at, at each song. So when the Vought Remnants song came in, um, Keske played the drums and Taka did vocals with me, but this, at this point, I was, I was naked as fuck. The only thing that I had on was my my socks and my shoes, and I went in the pit, and I went. There's pictures of this. I wish there there, there is a video. I, I don't know where the video is. Like people, someone has a video of this, but I went in the pit naked, doing vocals for Prodigy of Solitude, and you know, with all my tiny wiener uh, back turtling inside of my body, <laughs> and. It was like probably like I, here's here's the thing, dude. Like whenever it w- it was with Bilich, it's always like because like you know we were like Copremises and Bilich were like the brother band. We would always hang out, and there's like this weird thing. Like I I know they're gonna be really fucking good, so we have to fucking like pump this up. And it's only me and Alex, so we gotta go really fucking go crazy here. So that's that's our deal. Like we had to like go all out. <laughs> and at this prefest, I had no choice to go all out, you know, like fucking yeah. go crazy. So that was the story of, of playing naked in MDF. <laughs> so a couple of days later, you know, on our website, I was uploading pictures on, on, on our website. And I was, um, you know, I still live with my mom, but like at that point, like I was just like, you know, whatever like uh, uh, it was daytime my mom was like pass he she passed by me and she looked at the monitor and like and she saw my the screen it's like who's that guy why is he naked like pow is that you oh my god pow oh my god <laughs> and she basically really got fucking mad 
she smacked me over my head, went to her room, came back with a bag, pack your shit up. You, oh my God. <laughs> you're, you're not living here anymore. So I called Alex, yo dude, I got kicked out of my house. It's like I was uploading <laughs> the naked pictures of me on the, on the internet. <laughs> so for a while I lived with my aunt. So I lived, uh, I stayed at Alex's place for a while. Then I, I, I went to, to the Bronx of my aunt and lived there. Yeah. So that was uh, 2004. Yeah. <laughs> That's a hell of a year. Wow. <laughs> what a ride. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, you do, you do it kind of smart in a way because me, sometimes I'll take my uh, shoes and socks off and go barefoot. Uh, and that's probably the dumbest way you could do it, man. Is you know because you're exposing your feet to any kind of broken glass on the floor, who knows what? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, ath- athlete's foot. You know, if you go butt naked and keep your shoes on, you're protecting your feet and you're keeping everybody <laughs> away from you. Everybody's at a safe distance, you know. <laughs> exactly. But I gotta give you credit, Paulo. That's definitely that's like the way to go. I'm not gonna say I'm gonna take that approach, but it makes more sense, like logistically, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, Paulo. So take us. So all right. So I mean, 2004. You kind of summed up there. That's a big year for you. Um, Wilson's uh, no longer with the band. Um, maybe he saw what was coming. <laughs> um, Daniel, I, I assume, uh, eventually gets off of uh, being grounded um, from death metal. Because yep. uh, he's still in the band, and he picks up drums over the next few years and plays drums on Muay Thai Lady Boys in 2000, right. your 2008 release on Paragon Records, the full length. Um, I mean, that's that's a four-year jump. Do you want to take us through um, why why there was a four-year wait for that full length and maybe some of the like the highlight reel of Cop Premises uh, those couple of years there? Uh, at that point, um, you know, like, it was kind of like a slow time for us, and... And Daniel wasn't really feeling, you know, like whatever he was in that state of mind of his. Like he wanted to join the military. He wanted to join the Marines. He actually was all about the Marines even way back in the day. Like he had shirts about the Marines. So around 2006, that's when we recorded the drums. Uh, <clears throat> actually, we had to re-record it twice because I bought a a drum module, a, a DM5 used. And it kept misfiring the triggers, so we had to go back and record the drums twice. And from there, like he was like shipped out to uh, South Carolina to Paris Island. Then it just since we didn't have any what's called um, pressure behind us uh, about like releasing the album, we kind of took our time. But like Jim from Paragon, <clears throat> always like whenever we would see each other, it's like, hey man, like. Uh, what's Copremises doing? Like, oh, like we're you know recording this album. It's like, dude, like just, just uh, uh, let me know when when you guys are, are putting it out. You know, like I, I you know I want to check it out. And after hearing uh, the stories of what Jim did for you guys for the Bylich, the Demolich Bylich tour, that like the crazy hell that you guys did. It's like, all right, Jim and Paragon Records is the shit. You know, I I want to be with this guy. So, eventually, to the 2008 came and and <clears throat> Muay Thai Lady Boys came to be, and the the story behind Muay Thai Lady Boys was 
we just kind of wanted to be like kind of different you know because at that point like everything was like ultra misogyny but like maybe these at uh, this current climate of pc-ness or whatever like people might take it differently but for us like we were in, actually inspired by uh Nong Toom, the beautiful, the beautiful boxer. There was a movie about this person who, um, who basically became uh, a kickboxer and won the won the national. Well, you know, the the Thailand's was called most like became the kickboxer nat champion to to have a sex change. And I thought like that story, which is so fucking crazy, that like. Like Copremises was such an irreverent band anyway, so it's like, and that's such a fuck you to everything. That like, yeah, that's a fucking awesome story, dude. Like, you know, but like, it, it, it's even like when you the the album starts with the with a crazy. It's it's such a big fuck you to everything at that point that like, and it can't backfire because eventually it became like. Whenever people see us, it's like, oh, you guys are a comical, you're a fun band, you're a comical band, and a certain, you know, it kind of cuts a little deep because, like, yeah, but you know, we also put like our, we poured our hearts into it, you know, like it's some serious stuff. Because like, if you listen to it actually from beginning to end, it's the beginning is kind of like funny, but the ending is really serious. Like uh, Tetsuo is a very like more structured song. It's uh, uh, has. Like, there's actual lyrics to it too, uh, um, while as the other songs don't have any lyrics. And one of the coolest things ever was getting Danny Nelson from Malignancy and Will to do a song for our, the the slam song that we have called "Mad." And that was the funnest shit ever. And like we thought, like, dude, let's take the most brutalist, guttural uh, vocalist from New York and put him in this one song. And it was like the funnest shit ever. And it's like, to me, it's like, like everyone else is like, you know, you guys have Matty Way, Ruben Rosas. So it's like, nah, we got Danny, Nelson, and Will, you know, on this fucking recording and they're doing the most brutal fucking song. So I was like, yeah, you know, we didn't even want to do vocals in that. It's like, let these guys have it. You know, let them have it. You know, it's like, it was just sick. It's a really fun album, and to me, it was a bunch of dudes who, like, before I knew you, it was just like, this is an album written by guys who take death metal and brutality very seriously, but aren't taking themselves seriously. And, yeah, exactly. And are willing to just kind of, like, have some fun with the music. It's a really cool album, man. Um Anyone who's listening to this who haven't, hasn't listened to Muay Thai Lady Boys, check it out. And, uh, Paulo, was there any issues with Paragon Records getting that printed up because of the artwork? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> um, basically, they had to print it at night when everyone who was in charge weren't there. So that's the only way they could, like, um, the printing press could do it. And also, once... The, the, that was done um, there was this German magazine uh, forgot their name I'm not even gonna mention it if you, even like if I remember it they, but like the thing is they were like grilling us about like, the artwork and the saying some some shit that like we're we're promoting some some 
some things like no no we're not so like whatever like people you know will take anything to to heart and it's like we don't really mean anything for you know, we have we have no political agenda or or of any biases you know it's just for us like it's just a, like we're just we want it to be different than the crowd you know and you know and it's just like fucking an awesome story of 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 knowing tomb who did the artwork for it I love uh, the artwork. I mean, it's gross, but it's really well done. Scott Porterfield. Talented. Did, did, did you bring the idea to him? Yep, I did. Yeah. And I was like, he was all <laughs> down about it. Yeah, he was all about it. Uh, all right. So um, I don't want to skip over uh, Cop Premises too much. When, I mean, that album comes out, let's let's talk about the last uh, couple of cop premises shows uh, and and uh, you know you know what I'm getting at I want to get into the one where things got out of hand oh, and yeah. um, and 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 when exactly does Ian uh, Jackson join the band uh, so 2008 we met through uh, uh, Andrew and, and Dan because of their band cast so mm-hmm. he inter- uh, they both introduced us uh, with, to Ian we just hit it off and we did a tour with Defeated Sanity um, and also Big Sty. So, yeah, like for 2008, like we, uh, uh, it was Defeated Sanity in 2009, it was Big Sty. Yeah, that's right. That's with, with awesome. I'm not, to, not to interrupt you, but just in the Ping 2 episode, I believe it was, you talked uh, at length about the Defeated Sanity tour. Um, and and meeting Wolfgang and and all that just for the listeners. Oh yeah, I mean, dude, it's. It, I think meeting Wolfgang is one of the most like amazing things ever in life, and it's because like he really put like it was kind of humbling, and he, I I should take his advice. Like sometimes I he get on, he gets on my head to this day still because. As you can see, like I could, as you could hear me, I get like anxious, I get like we, like, and I still remember Wolfgang just like putting his hand over his shoulder, Paul. It's okay, just relax. And it's like, yeah, just okay, okay, Wolfgang. I'm gonna just relax. He's one of those really chill dudes, and he's the coolest guy ever, man. Like. Everyone was fucking around and dicking around, but like Wolfgang was the one who like held it down, you know. Like he was being a dad, yeah. You know? uh, and I loved it. Yeah. Just a quick side note relating to that: our friend of the show, Hank Steamer, who does the podcast Heavy Metal Bebop, talks to Lille and Jacob from Defeated Sanity. So if you want to get a little more insight on that, I would check that out. Heavy Metal Bebop. Yeah, I heard. I heard that it's a really good uh, episode. Yeah, it was, it's great. It's great. All of our listeners need to hear that. I gotta and check that out myself. Shout to him. So, 2009 happened, and Matthew Barney basically like uh, emails us and contacts us, and then Brandon's Tusi also. And it's like, whatever, man, that's a fucking joke. Why would the why the fuck would Matthew Barney like? Yeah, whatever, dude. So I hung up, and I, I think I hung up in both of them. And he called me back again, like Brandon's Tusi. It's like, no, this is for real, like. We want you to play a show uh, in our warehouse, and this is the, the the this one plan. And it's like, what's going on? Like, and it's basically, um, it's supposed to be co-premises, uh, 
Man Destroys Himself and SMES, who is you know, the vocalist for Last Days of Humanity at that time. Um, and it's a board grind night, and there's going to be a black metal night, which is Inquisition, which is on, uh, on the Sunday. We were playing the Friday night. Anyway, it's like, yeah, like, this is fucking crazy. Like, we'll, we'll, we agreed to play the show, and the, it was the craziest thing. It's because, like, it's on Matthew Barney's warehouse, and there's this stage, well, you know, like, uh, uh, the stage was basically the, the pallets and there's like six pallets just holding holding all equipment and while we were playing um, there's this like hulking trans person coming down uh, um, wearing this this you know like you know feminine clothes and after we played our set, this person goes to the bathroom, which is right across the the, 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 the stage, and it's what is that called? Uh, the the porta potty. Yeah, there you go. And this porta potty is basically on a lever, right? So the, this trans person um, pulls down their pants, and it reveals that there's like. There's this bulb stuck in his um, asshole. So he pulls it out and shit, it's just like spraying everywhere the floor and the whole entire audience is moving away. It's like, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? So he's shooting shit out and he opens the door to the porta potty and he goes inside and takes more dump and shit in there. And this other guy with a pipe, a, a long clear pipe, goes in and sticks it between his leg, uh, the, the, the trans person's leg, and there's a contact mic on the end of the, the pipe. So this other person is starting, starting to suck this whatever garbage shit is, is in the porta potty. While that's happening, all this sound is, is, is fucking being emitted. The porta potty is on a lever. And it's like basically like it pushes the 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 porta potty and it drops everywhere, and shit is all over the venue, the, the oh warehouse. Then the next band SMES performs, boom! And it was like shit all over the bit the place and SMES. It was the most craziest show ever. It's like oh. there's there's pictures and there's videos of that too. Um, but like you know, I'm kind of glad that like like there's no footage of that because it's like it's only like it's almost like a legend you know <clears throat> yeah I, so yeah, yeah. I, um, <laughs> I didn't make it was, was this some kind of like performance art piece like what yes yeah it was it was it was funded by I guess like you know Matthew Barney's like people I guess but uh, yeah because like, they flew over Mandatory <clears throat> himself he also flew over Inquisition and they flew over um, a, a day gone. So yeah, it was a part of the art performance. Oh my god! And this is this is like Matt, Matthew Barney of like the Cray Master series. Like uh, used to yes. uh, was was married to Bjork. Yes, drawing restraint on yeah, Matthew so, Barney. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's totally in his wheelhouse. You know, of just uh, shitting in the crowd for sure. <laughs> exactly. That's that's what it was. And it was like, and it was an experience. And I was like, all right, cool, man. Two thousand nine. 
Check that off the box. Yeah. <laughs> if, if some if some random person was just shitting all over the place, I would be like, this is fucking gross. I gotta get out of here. If I knew it had the Matthew Barney <laughs> stamp, I'd probably sit there with my hand on my chin like, hmm, like, what is he trying to say right now? You know? <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. But, I, like, but the thing is... I have no comment on that. But, like, that's, that's the thing with Matthew is that, like, he basically loved to fuck with people, you know? And, like, he loved... What's called? He loved this kind of music and... and he hated the, the 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 elite, the art elite. So he's basically shitting on everyone. You know, it's yeah. like his way of saying "fuck you." You know, dude, you're shitting on the wrong people. Yeah, go to the MoMA. <laughs> 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 yeah, and uh, 2011 happened, and 2011. This is all right. Like, so it's kind of like gonna get sensitive a little bit here, because 2010 was like when Lee passed away. And we, like, yeah. Copremises didn't play a show for a while, and, like, it's like, we heard that the comedian was playing a show, and it's like, you know what, man, like, I think Copremises is, like, probably, like, gonna be done after this. Let's just play our last show. So, the, the lineup was with, um, fucking, who was it? Noisier, The Kill, The Communion, and it was us. And we played at the Shea Stadium, not the Shea Stadium, the Shea Stadium, but, like, uh, the one in Brooklyn. Yeah, the and, venue called Chase Stadium. Right, yeah, the <laughs> venue. And I basically like, all right, like, this is gonna be our last show, so we have to make it special. So how am I gonna fucking top the last, you know, 2009 show? So I basically, uh, when we played the show, uh, we did our usual shit. The, I this time I, I I got naked again, and huh. I have to be careful because. I don't want my mom to barge in here. <laughs> I, I basically um, tried vomiting, uh, and also I pissed on a on on a cup and I drank it. And also, our friend Scottnick. Will you've met Scottnick, right? I've more than met Scottnick. There you go. I have, yeah, I have stories my of, of Scott Scottnick stories of my own. Scottnick yeah. is a legend, and Scottnick basically vomited on me, and I showered in his vomit, and that's how we ended Copremises, dude. There was a last show, and it's a last hurrah to Lee, because basically there was a one year anniversary, and if Lee was there, he'd probably be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" It's like, yeah, exactly. He'd probably shit on me, and the fact that like. Like the comedian is playing at a venue called the Shea Stadium, he would give him a shit because he's a Yankee fan. He hates <laughs> the fucking Mets. So yeah, it's not the same, man. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same, exactly. Maybe he would have been glad that you did that to the venue. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God, that's crazy, man. That was compromises. So, and 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 I mean, you know. By the way, we, you know, we're as we always say, we have to be respectful of your time and respectful of the listeners' time. But um, and we're kind of just like wrapping up cut premises now. Uh, what more? What what could there be left to talk about after those last two shows you brought up? Well, we didn't even get into any of the other bands you're in. Oh, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm no, so no, sorry. no. It's great no. Uh, because you're. I mean, you're our you're our star guest. You know, we, we love having you on the show. So we're gonna do this again. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> and the and the listeners uh, want you on the show too, so we have no choice in the matter. Um, <laughs> now, if obviously if people want to go back to Ping One and Ping Two that you were on, 
Um, we did talk, talk a little bit about Unborn Salivate, Cryptorchidism, mm. and Cenothrac. Uh, and your most recent project, Miasmatic Necrosis. Right. Is it still called Miasmatic Necrosis? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it there is anything to, re- to report with that band? I mean, I don't know. It's just the artwork we're waiting on right now. Uh, it's With the whole entire coronavirus shit situation, I don't know what's going on. But the album is, is recorded and is, is ready. We're just waiting for that uh, to get an artist to do the layout and, you know, mm-hmm. you know the product packaging and shit but yeah yeah and and speaking of which that reminds me of p2 records which we didn't really get to talk about at all too but i'm just glad that we got this kind of like uh you know early polo and cop premises edition this is like in the hole with polo <laughs> part one uh the beginning you know type of thing you know polo uh-huh. origins you know um but uh, you know, and we will get back to you, Paulo, and, and and leave some some of the story. We haven't even gotten into your stint in Buckshot facelift. <laughs> yeah, I know, dude. Oh my god, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll we'll get there, man. That we'll save that one for the listeners for another day, man. And we are going to have Sal on uh, at some point, <gasps> Paulo. Just so you no know. way. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. We, if if you listen to our most, uh, we we just put out an episode with uh, Ryan. Ryan Lipinski from Unearthly Trance, and we talked a little shit about Sal, so we're going to oh give him boy. the opportunity to come on. A little shit. Oh point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he took it in stride. He took it in stride, but we got to give him his, his side of things, too, eventually. But, um, uh, yeah, Paulo, like I said, man, to be respectful of your time at this point, um, let's wrap it up now with the cop premises. Any, any parting words about the cop premises experience? Um, or anything that, that, that you'd like to add a- after that last show uh, that you talked about? Uh, I don't know. I think just, like, basically, like, dude, like, I just, the feeling is, like, always leave an impression, I think. Okay. Leave an impression. Whatever. It doesn't matter, you know. Let's just, like, make yeah. sure people are, 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 like, in the end, like, oh, man, did you fucking hear about that band? It's like, yeah, exactly. That's that's what I wanted to do with Compromises. All right, and... And that I think you did, man. And um, uh, you know, we'll, we're going to transition to recommending um, uh, music right now, and we're kind of going to do it in a little bit of a different format, just because sure. uh, if the listeners haven't caught on, we're kind of recording all from our, where we are separately over the phone with technology now. So we're going to do kind of like a round robin, and we're each going to just pick either our old or our new one. Um, and and recommend it, Paulo. Since you're the guest, though, we'd like you to talk about your old and your new one. My old one is Iniquity. Serenadium is the greatest death metal album ever. It's my favorite. And oh, when man. I die, um, it's there. There will be no eulogy. If there is going to be a eulogy, it's going to be the whole entire album being played, and that's it. Nobody <laughs> speaks. Shut the fuck up. Listen to fucking Iniquity. <laughs> that's it. Burn me. Cremate me. As long as. Iniquities, a serenadium is being played. We're fucking crispy. You know, we're good. <laughs> it, it is such an amazing and beautiful uh, and unique death metal album. And you know, Paulo, I may, we we could do a whole extra bonus episode just with Paulo telling the iniquity story because it's really there's a lot of drama to to that story. But Paul, where was iniquity from? And 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 just like talk a little bit about iniquity if you think. Uh, man, Iniquity is from Denmark. Um, basically, they I- Iniquity is a band that has no original members. Uh, but like the main focus was uh, Brian Petr- uh, Brian Petrovsky, and 
Uh, he basically was the main guy, and he got kicked out because of like you know his uh, fucked up habits, you know like uh, uh, drug habits and shit. And, but he wrote the most amazing songs, and like when I read uh, when I read the lyrics again, it's like oh that makes sense. That makes sense. He's talking about this and this and this. Oh okay, I love it. It's like the heaviest fucking thing ever. Like I. I put it up against all right. Like I'll I'll say like probably like yeah, FSG of the Forgotten is heaviest. But like to me this play, it's in and special in the heart that this is like because of the way the songs are written, <clears throat> just amazing it's songwriting. It's no there's I think there's no blast beats even I'll, only like the beginning. It's only like a few seconds of blast beat. It's all about riffs, solo, and just song structure and the gutturals are yeah. amazing. Obliteration of Humanity, uh, it's Toe, uh, they put out an album last year called uh, Kumos, also K-O-M-O-U-S, Kumos, sorry, and they're a Czech band who is very, very fucking weird, uh, and they had a whole entire struggle last year too because um, the brother is uh, diagnosed with schizophrenia and they thought like he will never recover again. They will never play his, uh, music again, and somehow they recorded this album. It's like even more bonkers than ever. So it's a very weird album. It's like very eclectic. Uh, it's not your bizarre. It's not your usual ultra guttural music. It's and if you listen to the 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 way the notes are played, it's almost like classical music. I think it is classical music in a, in a weird way. Yeah. Band, I've heard this band a few times, and uh, they're really hard to put your finger on. Yes, like what right. the hell they're doing. Sometimes it's like if you like just skip around their discography, it's very hard to label them. Absolutely brilliant band, you know. And just like I'm, just so I love stories that like when there's people who are struggling with things, then like they overcome it and do something about it. And, and this is what they did, and like they wrote this masterpiece of an album. They, like, they didn't want to deal with put, putting out like physical shit because they got burned by uh, 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 the label Elitist or Earache. Yeah, really interesting band. Um, really like avant-garde kind of death metal. Definitely. <laughs> Oh, my God. 
Cool. So, uh, so my new one is this band Cognizant. So it's a C O G N I Z A N T. This is a band um, out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, they've been around since 2016, uh, where they put out a full length in 16, I believe. But they've just now released uh, a split with Rochester, New York grind band Blurring. Uh, but I'm kind of focused on on the cognizant uh, portion of this. Um, it's very technical grindcore. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna put it in like a, a mashup between like Gore Guts and Pig Destroyer or like Gore Guts and Discordian Axis. It's like in this sort of realm. Really short songs, but like technical and dissonant. Um, and it's kind of interesting because the drummer Brian Fajardos. Um, drums for uh, for grid the band Gridlink and, oh, yeah. uh, and noisier yeah so uh, and he's also done some live work with cloud rap which is pretty fucking cool yeah he plays in plf too and live yep. captain clean off work this guy's busy yes yes super sick drummer uh i mean obviously his work shows through in this release i'm talking uh, well the release i'm talking about is this new split with blurring um and blurring's got two tracks on it and cognizant's got four tracks uh, those four tracks are fucking nasty, man. Uh, really, like, monstrous sounding vocals, you know, in that sort of cattle style. Um, but, yeah, man, I've, I've, uh, I found this a few hours ago, and uh, I need to sink my teeth a little bit more into this band and, like, try and, try and fish out their demos a little bit. But uh, I, I'm liking what I'm hearing, and I'm, I, I hope they, uh, they continue with it. They just released this new split, I guess, um, uh, a little bit before the... Uh, uh, the time they were planning because of the whole quarantine thing, so they wanted to get something out for the listeners, and, and I appreciate that. So, um, cognizant from Dallas, very fucking cool right now. Yeah, that uh, what's what's his name Brian Fajardo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's like one of the MVPs of of drumming right now uh, in extreme music. He is one of the most. If you YouTube that guy playing a show or whatever, if you find if you can watch that guy play drums, it is one of the most phenomenal, impressive things you can watch right now in extreme music. Oh, that's awesome. All right, from I got a new recommendation this week, uh, all the way from Alaska. Check this out. I got a fucking tape right here. Uh, the band oh boy. Heal. This is their release, Foreign Tongues. These dudes are from Alaska. You believe that shit? Who that's lives awesome. in Alaska? A bunch of guys who make sick rhymecore. That's it. Oh yeah. <laughs> July twenty second. Uh, super super dirty grind. Uh, Recorded by the band, mixed and mastered by Will Killingsworth at Dead Air Studios. It's like this crust-punk-informed raw album. I really appreciate an extremely blown-out sound that they've got. Good pacing, solid songwriting, touches of hardcore. As for the members of this band, I don't have much on them. I I, I can't tell you much, but uh, these guys are killing it, so check out Heel's new release foreign tongues check it on bandcamp
Okay, um, I got something. Sp- I knew I had to come hard and, and uh, uh, pick something really good for the listeners. Um, I'm coming at you with a Medal of Death recommendation this evening. Nice. Brand new, okay? Um, Conquest Icon is a band from Poland that I want to talk about. Um, they just put out the Empire of the Worm full length uh, on Gods of War Productions, another po- Polish label. Um, and this is kind of a, it's a band, they've been around for a while. They put out a full length called Hellspire in 2010, 10 years ago. Um, and we're on kind of like a compilation split a few years back. Uh, but I get the impression that these guys are very busy in a lot of other bands and projects, some of which are like with each other. Because if you look at these guys' um, lineup, there's members of, uh, they've been in um, Pyrea, uh, Devilin, Empress, uh, and their their Metallum like lineup just goes on and on. These guys have been in lots of bands, uh, most of which like with other lineups of the other members of the band. And um, uh, so I got to I got to look into the history a little bit more. And, the, and and these guys are like OGs. Most you know most of their bands go back to the '90s and whatever. Uh, these are guys who have been playing music in this area of Poland with each other for a long time, and they know their way around their instruments, and they know their way around death metal. And Conquest Icon is just like pure metal of death. It's cold, it's bleak, it's nice. brutal, it's angry. It's just, you know, for the, for the listeners, uh, you know, and you guys know when I talk about metal of death, I only talk about special albums when I give that kind of um, uh, connotation out to it. And this is, this is all the way metal of death. Conquest Icon from Poland. Um, it's OG death metal heads who know their shit, who are seasoned, um, not only playing their instruments, but playing with each other in groups. And um, it, it seems like Conquest Icon is just their project to get that, that pure, angry, uh, brutal, cold, dungeon-like metal of death out there. So that's my recommendation for you. Psych, man. Yeah, cool album cover, too. Yeah, I, I had to go there for the listeners this week, man. I'm, I'm not playing. Appreciate you being back for your third appearance on the Heavy Hole Podcast. Um, uh, this time, telling a little bit more about the man behind the ping, like we said. And we didn't get as far as we wanted to. We got a lot of the projects in, in history, but we at least covered up the cop premises uh, and got a cut and dry history of cop premises um, and your history before that, man. So we appreciate you talking and being so candid with us about some of that crazy stuff that went down. Is there, is there anything else that, that you want to talk about? Um, quickly before we wrap it up just be safe out there you know and just be well and read a book or do whatever and just you know right now it's, it's a time right now to to reflect upon you know the things that you really you really like you know take for granted and i think it's good to to have what's called something to hold on uh and just be careful out there just yeah Exactly. Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah. Thank you. Practice riffs. 
Exactly. Work, yeah. work on your goddamn riffs. That will do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all you can do. And like you said, um, you know, a lot of plans have been disrupted. Is there anything that we uh, should look out for, um, and, you know, with with uh, in terms of your label or projects, anything that's going to be online or, or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Uh, we're putting out the new Behold Your Octopus on CD. Forgot about that. Oh, on P2? Fuck yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's awesome you're putting that out. Uh, any other releases yeah. P2's coming out with soon? Uh, Sis Gurgle from Thailand, I think. Yeah, that's, that's going to happen, too. And I'm drawing a blank. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. It's a long night, man. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot, everyone's got a lot on their minds, Paulo. But um, if people want to get in touch with you or follow your projects, um, P2 has a presence, uh, right, on, on the internet and on um, social media, right? That's right, yeah. We have an email, uh, p2label at gmail.com, and our Instagram, uh, I think it's uh, p2logia. Uh, that's our Instagram handle? Yeah, I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, I see, I see you on Instagram all the time, Paulo. That's, that's the one. All right. All right. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Awesome, man. And um, if uh, listeners want to check us out, you can always go to that heavyholepodcast.com uh, for links to all of our social media, uh, that that uh, 10% off uh, the sticker packs code is, the code is allegedly for that promo code. Um, and yeah, we got that's that not allegedly number. a code. It's, yeah, it's not allegedly yeah. a code. It's actually typing allegedly. I forgot no, yeah, to say allegedly. I wanted you wanted to say allegedly a lot. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, unfortunately, Paulo, all your stories have been proven, man. You're, oh, that's you're true. Guts, man. <laughs> tell all that stuff. All that stuff happened, man. There's no yeah. denying it. <laughs> but but yeah, man. So um, thanks to everybody for listening and checking us out. Like Paulo said, be safe. Try to think smart and stay positive, man. And uh, Paulo, we thank you so much for your time, man, and for joining us on the podcast. Dude, this is an absolute pleasure, and thank you for keeping me sane right now. And I hope you guys are the same to me too. Uh, this is a good company. Fuck yeah, man. I'm gonna go listen to Meatloaf. One. Yes, Meatloaf. <laughs> awesome. I can see paradise by the dashboard. Yeah,